So last time we talked about the price of production schema that Marx and manual form here is represented as L and it is the cost price plus profit K plus P. This time we're going to go a little bit more in depth on the examples that Emmanuel works with and he gives us these examples because he's interested in showing that it is the disparity between the rates of variable capital or wages that cause unequal exchange. So Emmanuel begins, we note that a transfer of surplus value takes place between branch three and branch two. Since the former with surplus value produced to the amount of 30 realizes only a profit of 20, whereas the latter with surplus value amounting only to 10 realizes the same profit of 20. That's this example that he provided system A where system A, all of the profit is equal at 20 and yet branch two has produced only 10 surplus value whereas branch three has produced 30. And the profit, this occurs because there is an equalization of the rate of profit. We talked about this last time at 20%. Let us suppose, however, that our system comes into contact with another one, also made up of three branches, but with the same rate of surplus value, same general rate of wages, but with different organic compositions. Organic compositions of capital is what is going to be the disparity here. So this is our first hypothetical, that system A, which we've just been discussing, which is three branches with three different rates of profit, with three different variable capital wage rates, three different amounts of surplus value is going to come into contact with this system B which has lower constant capital the same variable capital meaning that the organic composition of capital OCC which is equal to the ratio between C and V constant and variable capital this is going to have a lower organic composition of capital a lower input of machinery relative to the input of labor. I think this machinery is constant capital and labor is represented, or the price of labor power is represented by variable capital. So what Emmanuel says is that within the second system, the same transfers of surplus value take place as in the first, 10 units from branch three to branch two. If, however, each system could maintain its specific rate of profit, 20% for system A and 33 and one third percent for system B. And if all the three articles produced participate in exchange in the proportion supposed, then despite the transformations of values into prices of production in both systems, prices would contain on the average and as a whole, the same amount of value added, 40 on the average and 120 for production as a whole which implies that if exchange could be affected on that basis, one hour of living labor in one system would be exchanged on the average for one hour of living labor in the other. Let's break this statement down. So there's continuity insofar as the same transfer of surplus value is taking place internally within the second system from branch three to branch two. That's because 
just like in A, branch 3 is producing 30 surplus value, whereas branch 2 is only producing 10, but they're both achieving the exact same profit, meaning that there's a transfer of value internally from branch 3 to branch 2. What else does he say? The difference between these two systems is that they have two different rates of profit. We calculate the rate of profit by taking, again, the sum of V and dividing it by the sum of C plus V. So 60 divided by 180 here is giving one-third, whereas this discrepancy is provided because there is a lower rate of constant capital being inputted, 120 as opposed to, in the last example, 240. And in the last example, the 240 means that the rate of profit is only 20%. The rate of profit is higher when less machinery and constant capital is inputted into this second system. And because of that, if all the three articles produced participate in exchange, so there's exchange between these two systems, despite the transformation of values into prices of production in both systems, so ignoring the fact that the values have their own internal disparity, just thinking about it at the level of the prices of production, the level of abstraction of price, prices would contain on the average and as a whole, on the average is important, the same amount of value added, 40, on the average, again, so we're talking about averages between these two systems, not the internal disparity within the system itself. 120 for production as a whole. He's talking about value added. As we can see, value added. Value added is going to be the sum of variable capital and the sum of surplus value. 120. In the second system, it's also 120. So no matter what the disparity in the organic composition of capital, the value added is exactly the same, and therefore, when exchange occurs between these two systems, they're exchanging one, as he says, one hour of living labor, not dead labor. Dead labor equals machinery, whereas living labor is labor power. One hour of living labor in one system would be exchanged, again on the average for one hour of living labor in the other so there's no loss of labor between these two systems uh, they're exchanging their value added and this is the sum value added here they're exchanging the exact same amount there next we're going to talk about what happens when systems a and b come into contact with one another and if you are looking at this table, you'll notice some, some differences. First of all, obviously we have A represented here and system B represented here. They have the same from their own system, from system A and system B, all the way through. Of course, these are all the same because they were the same in the, in the internal system. Value that's produced is the same, but what we notice that's different is that the specific rate of profit, that is the difference between 20 
and 33 and one-third percent has been eliminated we only have 25 percent as the rate of the average rate of profit average or general rate of profit that's been formed across the entire system now basically being taken together as a whole between a and b and we'll of course notice that the profit that's produced is different and the prices of production produced are different and emmanuel says let us now suppose that free circulation of capital is introduced between these two systems and as a result equalization of profits takes place in this case the commodities produced in system b are no longer exchanged for those produced in a at the rate of 120 for one for 80 but at 125 for 75. since in the average b article there are 40 hours of past labor considered as being already valorized and again past labor c is for constant for machinery considered as being already valorized within the framework of these two systems and therefore incapable of either increasing or decreasing and 40 hours of living labor living labor v which is variable capital and it's interesting what he says already valorized that it, that's because machinery is already constitutes its own value whereas variable capital has the that's where the term variable comes from is it has the potential of accruing more value by being inserted into the production process it is the latter b that will suffer the effect of the deterioration in terms of exchange because 120 has increased and 80 has diminished whereas before equalization one hour of b's living labor was exchanged on the average for one hour of a's living labor it is now exchanged on the average for 21 over 27 hours of this labor and emmanuel says we should have arrived at the same result if instead of putting in the profit equalization pool three branches i have imagined instead two countries taken separately represented by a and b and he gives us this model countries a and b with averages taken together the exact same amount of variable capital same amount of surplus value different amounts of constant capital therefore different amounts of value a general rate of profit different amounts of profit and of course different amounts of price of production and what he says is the two countries instead of exchanging their imagined composite articles at the rate of 360 to 240 in accordance with their values exchange them at the rate at their price of production rate of 375 to 225 as we have assumed that the nominal values of the past labors of a and b respectively 240 and 120 express prices of production and consequently exchange at par the difference can affect only the added values which, in, which instead of exchanging at 120 and 120 exchange at 135 and 105 which is where we get this disparity 105 and 130 that is one hour of b's living labor is only equivalent to 21 27 of a can also reduce 
that down to seven ninths. It's probably a little bit easier to understand. Seven ninths of an hour, which means we could even literally do the, could even literally turn that into roughly minutes. It would be probably around like 40 minutes or so. 40 minutes. It's the value of the hour of the worker in country B. Why is that? Well, because when we take 375 minus 240, remember this is past labor, and we take 225, this is A, this is B minus 120. So when we take the price of production, L here, and subtract the past labor, we're achieving the value added, what has been added by the input of wages and surplus value, as 135 and 105, meaning that there is this inequality of the value being added on of 7 ninths. So, Emmanuel gives us another example of two countries, A and B, and in this example he is differentiating, as we had in the last table, we just had, notice we just had C for the capital. He wants to emphasize that there's total capital invested K, there's constant capital consumed, which he denotes as C. This is a little bit confusing if you've had K now as cost price. So don't think of it that way anymore. Or don't use this symbol to represent it. Instead, C is going to be what is actually being put in to represent the cost of production. Whereas K is what is going to help us achieve the rate of profit. That's because to calculate the actual cost price of the commodity, we only need the actual amount of past labor that was inputted for machinery. But to achieve or equalizing rate of profit, we need the total amount that is being invested because that is what's going to help determine this abstraction of profit. So Manuel writes, if we take all the entries together, past labor and new labor consumed in production, country A obtains for 170 units of its national labor, 190 units of international labor, while country B obtains 150 of these units for the same amount of its national labor. Something very interesting here is this is when there's being a application of this as a international value system because we see that both countries have expended 170 of the value of what he calls national labor but when they put them on the world market they obtain different rates of international labor and there's a loss between the two countries. Or what comes to the same thing, the products of A and B 
that embody the same amount of labor, past and new, do not exchange at par, do not exchange at par, but in the proportion 190B equals 150A. Even though they've put in, as you can see here, the exact same amount of C plus V plus S, or M, they receive two completely different prices of production L. And that all has to do with the total amount of capital invested or the difference between, let's say, difference between machinery being put in. Even though, even though to actually calculate value, you have to just know how much constant capital has been consumed. In this form, the above diagram could be interpreted as, and does in fact correspond to, what some Marxists consider a primary type or the true type of non-equivalent exchange. This non-equivalence would then be expressed as the discrepancy between 150 divided by 190 being less than 170 over 170. In chapter 4, I shall discuss this opinion and give the reasons why I do not regard this type of exchange as unequal. It is true, nevertheless, that in this type of exchange, a transfer surplus value takes place. So what we have represented here, at the end of the day, this is what Emmanuel would call non-equivalent exchange. It's not an equal exchange. This has very significant ramifications. It's not just a difference in terminology. It is a difference of perspective because what Emmanuel is trying to emphasize is this right here, the wage difference. He's not interested per se in the different types of machinery because this is not what amounts to the difference in the prices obtained. It's not just about machinery. It is also about wages. And to further that point, he'll give us some more examples, this time with a big difference that the variable capital inputted is different. It's different at a proportion of 5. It is 5 times higher for A. So A's value of labor power is 5 times greater than that of B. In the first example, the total capital invested is different, and in the second, it's exactly the same. And what Emmanuel is going to show is that nevertheless, in both cases, unequal exchange is occurring. Whether the machinery used is exactly the same or whether it is totally different, the wage level being different is what will create an inequality in exchange between the two countries. So he says, instead of A is equal to B, according to values, or 150A equals 190B, according to our previous diagram, we now have 110A equals 230B. The inequality in exchange in passing from one of these conditions to the other is expressed thus. 1 over 1, 150 over 19, and 110 over 23. If you want to simplify that further, you can write it as 15 over 19 is less than 11 over 23. Maybe that helps simplify things a little bit. Just as in the two previous examples, the distinction between past labor and living labor is pointless here. It's pointless. 
since both enter into the production of A and B in equal amounts, 170. There is complete equality also in the value produced between these two. We have discrepancy here. This is the major discrepancy. But as he points out, even though these are very different, this, there's no discrepancy between the value produced that is equal and the price of production are very different. Here, however, it is possible to go further. The capitals invested can themselves be equalized, yet the transfer of value from one country to another will take place nonetheless. That is the second example where capital has been equalized in its investment in the two countries. Here, each of the products embodying 170 hours of labor is exchanged 210B equals 130A, though nothing is different in the two producing countries except wages. It thus becomes clear that inequality of wages as such, all other things being equal, is alone the cause of the inequality of exchange. Is alone. And then Emmanuel will conclude that However, in order to define exactly the influence of wages in relation to that of organic compositions, this would be representing the difference in organic composition of capital, whereas this one represents the difference in variable capital. We can say that it is the second part of this formula, i.e., this disparity that corresponds to my definition of unequal exchange. That is to say, the volume of unequal exchange is greater based on the disparity of variable capital or wages than it is based on the disparity of organic composition of capital or capital invested.